2: Content warning for religious trauma and religious abuse as well as familial abuse. Someplace underneath.
3: You're trying to quit smoking? I'm trying to quit smoking. I'm just like... So if you hear my voice, it's a little strained. I think when you don't smoke for a few days, like, my body's just like, asking, what? asking where are the smoke particles are. Where's at?
1: the cigarette saying back Give me?
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, lo- your your lungs and throat love it. Daily. Yeah. yeah, it's their medicine. It's their medicine. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Some Underneath, I'm Nellie Jean. I'm Amber
2: Nelson. Uh, We are right in the middle of this thick tale.
3: Um, Thick ass.
2: Yeah, we're starting the whole parasocial exploitation revisited uh, series with a very long front entry. But um, there's so much to this story and, and really there's such a strange connection between... The way that parasocial exploitation and the LDS church have sort of mashed themselves into each other to create a uh, a sandwich of
3: horror. A, a no-no sandwich? A no-no sandwich. Yeah. So there's this therapist lady who has the eyes of a devil. Mm-hmm. And she's just been doing therapy for the LDS church and has had no one like question her. Yeah. And then she gets together with this other lady who like has a bunch of kids and hates her kids. Mm-hmm. And then they do this YouTube series and now for the first time, their bubble's broken, and people are like, what the fuck? You are crazy? They got arrested. Yeah.
2: For aggravated child abuse. And um, last week, we talked a little bit about Jody Hildebrandt's background, because the mother who was arrested, his name's Ruby Frankie, Jody Hildebrandt was her life coach, partner, friend, assistant, manager, person. Okay. Um, Lesbian
3: lover, perhaps. That's just what I think. I think they're crushing pussy in a basement somewhere. There is... Okay, so, again, we have to base this
2: on speculation only. But there's a lot of speculation with some evidence to suggest that Jody may be on the queer spectrum. But that doesn't mean that the people that she's involving in that are necessarily what we would call, like, traditionally consenting. No. You know how, like, remember on the Tiger King doc... How Tiger King guy said he would just like pick up men to work at the Tiger Zoo and he just like make them gay.
3: Right. That's not really consenting sex. You can make anybody way. gay with 20 bucks, Natalie. Basically, that was sort of
2: like the idea of like maybe that is a thing that's happening. And we never want to make light of that. But Ruby Frankie is also complicit in a lot of these Crime, so you know, we just got to take what we can. Yeah, um, uh, I haven't been focusing too much on the charges, the actual charges that just went down a few weeks ago on the show, mostly because it's about minors, and also because both women charged have been making some really defamatory and vicious accusations about the children themselves who were found in like this horrible state. Oh,
3: that the children were abusing them.
2: Some to that to that. Yes, in that realm. Um, so I hesitate to even bring it up what the women are saying about the children in general, because just they are just words thrown into the wind with no evidence, but also because the really heinous things they are saying about the kids are a part of a much bigger pattern of accusations thrown out to about others from Jody Hildebrand. So this is not a, the first time Jody Hildebrand has made these accusations about random people. Well, well, I, as well as most people, think Ruby Frankie is deeply complicit with, and was already harming her kids prior to getting entangled with Jodie Hildebrandt. It's, it is really coming together that this situation that has just unfolded is more of a perfect storm situation with Jodie Hildebrandt's methodology driving the folly that led the to the absolute unthinkable things that they did. What's the folly idea? It's a French – it's French for madness of two and it's a phenomenon that happens and it usually occurs with one person being sort of the the leader and the other a follower. But they both develop this like reality that doesn't exist for anybody else. But they have now become this entity that either is harming themselves or other people or have decided this weird – thing exists in reality when it doesn't, and it only exists for those two.
3: That's like all my middle school girlfriend relationships. Well, but then you guys didn't like go... And we didn't harm other people. Yeah. But we were just like, our world is the only thing that matters. Yeah, and that is normal. T- take that and like maybe just like
2: at times it by 5,000. Okay. So they sort of created this cocoon around themselves that where they justified the things they were doing to Ruby's children. And I, I personally, like I just said, I don't think it was like Ruby was okay before and then got warped by Jody. I think that Ruby was ripe for it already, was already like ready to be mad, angry, hate her kids in a way. So yeah, so basically that that's sort of what I, I think maybe happened. But there's even more that drove... Ruby and Judy, Jody's decisions, and it's nearly impossible to detach what Ruby and Jody did from the greater LDS church in their actions and in the doctrines that inspired Jody's sick practices, not just now, but for decades. Because as this arrest has happened, people from Jody's past have begun to tell their stories, and it seems that not only has Jody done very similar before, but it's likely to be in the dozens, if not hundreds, of victims. Some of them had their families ripped apart. Some faced deeper and more immediate physical distress. So it is is prolific, the amount of things that she's done to people with the help of the church. Um, Whether or not they fully understood what she was doing, they knew kind of. They kind of knew, and they were also utilizing their very, very... Capital B, bad ideas about mental health from the church's own doctrines.
3: Wow. And if you're going to her, you might be like, oh, I feel like what she's saying doesn't feel right. But the church said it was mm-hmm. good and I can't go against the church or my immortal soul will burn in hell. Yes. And
2: Jodi represented herself as a voice from God openly oh my god
3: and so yeah that's a lot of pressure. how come every time somebody says a voice from god says like i'm special it's never like god spoke to me and said that i need to work on myself and i might <laughs> gaslight people sometimes yeah god never seems to tell people that no he always says that you're the best yeah
2: that's cool i guess that's why people like god so much yeah god says i've never done anything wrong yeah god says that i need to clean my room because it's looking disgusting That doesn't sound like the God I know. God says, mess it up more. (laughs) Throw stuff out the window. Um, So two people have given their testimony about Jody on Mormon Stories podcast, which again, I I highly recommend you watch or listen to because it's great and he does a really good job and he is an actual, um, I don't remember what his title is, but he's in the mental health field, the guy, and he was a former LDS member. Um, and go go listen. Even if you're listening to this, I, th- I say you should do it. But because their interviews are total in between the two people we're, we're going to talk about in the next two episodes, total in at about nine hours of interview, I've compiled some highlights because I think it's important to talk about both what happened but also how the church has had a hand in it and so in a weird way how the parasocial exploitation has played a part in – all of this in general. Oh. So Jesse Hildebrand, because yes, Jesse is Jody Hildebrand's niece or nibbling. If you'll recall, we briefly brought them up. They are about 30 years old and they use they, them pronouns. And so right now they're 30. In the late 2000s, 2008, 2009, Jesse was a normal, moody teenager. Their family moved around a bit at the time, and they lived for a long time in Northern California and then Southern California. Despite their family having moved away from the epicenter of devout Mormons, their extended family was still practicing and, in in general, deeply conservative. Jesse described himself as a curious, artsy kid in a family that really didn't vibe with that. Yeah, yeah. So they said basically that their family's dynamic was that you can discuss religion, politics, or sports.
3: Ew, I hate all of those. Yeah, I don't think I would have fared well in that family, I'll tell you. religion, politics, or sports? I'm getting up from that dinner table. Yeah, and not only that,
2: but you basically needed to align with them exactly or there would be issues. So it doesn't sound great. This sounds like 1984, like scary. Yeah, so... If you'll recall from last episode, we broke down a little bit of Jody Hildebrand's upbringing and background, and you may recall that she came from a moderately large LDS family. So Jesse's father is Jody's brother. If that makes sense.
3: Jesse's father is Jody's brother. Okay, so and that's where they are—the nibbling. Yes. Okay. Jesse is. Jody is Jesse's
2: aunt. So so is
3: this kind of like, what's that sh- full house? Is this like a fucked up full house? Uh, <laughs> I mean. Because there was still the Jesse. Remember that? Oh,
2: I remember Jesse. Uncle Jesse. I remember Jesse. Um, yeah, kind of sort of. Well, we'll get into what happened here. So Jesse grows up in their um, LDS family, but they don't live in the middle of the Utah area with the rest of their extended family. But they're still like LDS practicing. Jesse wants to clarify that even though Jody and their dad were, siblings, like, grown up, grew up together. Jody is on the very lower end of the family, and Jesse's dad is on the higher end. So they didn't spend a lot of time together growing up because of their big age gap, but they are still siblings. Um, Jesse describes their younger years as pretty nice. That when. They were a little kid. Their mother was a trad homemaker, and Jesse has fond memories of that time, Uh, you know, growing up as a little kid,
3: baking and, and doing the whole, like, picture that pe- trad wives try to paint. Right. But then puberty hits.
2: Yes. And then it's like,
3: oh, you're a shameful sinner now. Yes. And we have to, like, castrate you, basically, emotionally. Basically, yes. So... They describe basically up until puberty, idyllic,
2: all that stuff. Because when you're a little kid, you're doing everything that you're supposed to do as far as being the picture of the family that they want to paint, right? Then puberty happens. If you are in a a female body, you are especially not supposed to be interested in things, questioning things, having interests. Because that's not pretty and cool and cute anymore.
3: This is very Sharia law of them. A little bit.
2: So – they describe several things happening around that puberty time. But what I took away is that this and this is my own speculation. It just seems when Jesse got curious and inquisitive, it became clear that they were perhaps exceptionally bright. And there's not really any place for that in the LDS church, especially people born in female bodies. No. To ask too many questions or to push back at rules that don't make a lot of sense and just want to kind of understand why the rules are happening gets people labeled as a bit of you know a problem. So they got labeled as a problem child because they were asking questions. Cuz they're
3: smart because they yes. should be and they should be elevated, right? Should be you know applauded
2: and it would be should be happy. I hate this. Yeah. So the fun, the fun mom that Jesse had before didn't know what to do with this rebellious rebellious child. And from everything that Jesse has described, their rebellion was extremely mild. We're not talking about partying and drugs and sex. We're talking like being combative to their parents. This is all beginning as Jesse is growing into a teenager. But during it all, Jesse is an extremely devout member of the LDS church. And they are a full on believer. So not only not really very rebellious, being a diligent LDS church goer um, at the time. I mean, they currently de- like when they were in high school, they described themselves as handing out books of Mormon book of Mormons book. Sure.
3: <laughs> they Copies
2: hand- of the book of Mormon. Cop-
3: they would just go hand it out.
2: Yeah. Because they really believed it. Um, And currently Jesse describes himself as an atheist, but this is during teen Well, yeah,
3: no shit. Like, that's what happens when you, like, punish the smart kids.
2: Yeah. Also, Jesse, by the way, seems like such a badass and so cool. Um, So at 16, they were already courting a 21-year-old LDS man who had returned from his mission. Looking back, Jesse is mortified by the age difference, but because the guy was an RM, which means returned missionary, they were the parents were like,
3: "Yeah." Oh, cuz it's better up on the the
2: imaginary thing. Yeah, on the hierarchy in That's the church. It. So, generally in LDS, it's really common for the guy to be a few years older than the the female. Yeah, because they're more likely to go on missions. But there's – they definitely because of that, I think a lot of the, the wards and communities – not all I – know, I know I'm making sweeping things about LDS, but I'm just going off of what I've listened to and read and, and had people speak on in their own experience that it's pretty normalized for like a 16-year-old. It wouldn't be weird.
3: I mean the thing – like a five-year age difference isn't that big of a deal, but 16 to 21, even though 16 is legal in most states – there's a lot of mental growth. Yeah, you have from 16 to 21. I mean, I was two different people. It should be illegal. <laughs> it definitely should be illegal. It should be. I mean, at 16, I was I was a, I was a child.
2: Yes, and I was very, as much as most 16 year olds, convinced that I was an adult, and yeah. that's so. The adults that were hanging out with me at the time. It felt fine to me because I was like, it's just because I just get it, you know? Yeah. They just see how much of an adult I am. And
3: the kind of people that want a 16-year-old girl, it's not because they're more fertile. Fuck that. No, it's because they can manipulate you. Of course. That's
2: it. Yes. So... You know, at this time, in this this relationship is not really relevant to the story, but I did want to make note. Like, this is where we're at right now. Jesse is technically doing everything they're supposed to do, except for be a teenager and just be sometimes like, ask pushing back at their parents and being like, "You don't understand," and like running away. Yeah, you that's know? what I did. Right. So, in two thousand and nine, Jesse describes their family traveling from their home in Corona, California to go to their grandparents 50th wedding anniversary which was taking place in Linden, Utah. Uh-oh. So like I said, Jesse's parents had moved away from Utah but their family are legacy LDS and their the majority of them or some of them live just outside of Salt Lake City, which is where Linden is. Jody, again, their aunt is the woman who had just been uh, arrested for aggravated child abuse lived near to where Jesse's grandparents lived in an area called American Fork. Again, just south of Salt Lake City. Amber, I put this little map so you can see. It's in, like, northern Utah. All of this is taking place just south of Salt Lake City. Oh, it's,
3: like, right in the butthole of Utah.
2: It is. Um, So I'm sure it's absolutely stunning there.
3: I'm sure it's gorgeous. I would love to go visit.
2: Yeah. They, were, they don't I'm, want me. Yeah, I'm scared of everybody there. So, again, Jesse's family was living in Southern California. That Corona area is right by Disneyland, which I also believe is rife right with, right with Mormons. Um, also, weirdly, on a side note, there's a constant Jehovah's Witness booth exists in downtown disneyland um not nothing to do with the mormon church but just a very strange little um side story that would
3: i feel like jehovah's witnesses would think and like the mormons they would think disney would be the devil
2: because it's like of the world well lds is a little different than you would see like iblp so lds is more they they operate more in the sunlight in that for example, a lot of the people who exploit their children on family channels are LDS and they look really normal. Yeah. And they go like, look, we're just like everybody else. Don't worry about our big panties that we wear. Big panties. <laughs> um, and a lot of times those people are also given privileges of not even doing any of the stuff. They just recruit people. They're trying. Basically, the church thinks that they can recruit people through the, the family channels showing how incredible – the yeah. family life is, oh this church must be great if their family's so nice and perfect, which is something that Ruby Frankie was sort of doing on our channel. But so anyway, yeah, the Jehovah's Witness booth thing in Downtown Disneyland is like a whole another story. So weird, yeah. So this would be again 2009. Jesse and their family travel to Utah to go to this big 50th wedding anniversary party for their grandparents. Being 16 makes you an asshole in the best of circumstances, and I'm sorry for any 16-year-olds out there. It's not your fault. Just circle to life. Um, Jesse describes being a vegetarian at the time. Another, I'm assuming, perplexing part of their personality to their parents.
3: I mean, that's pretty normal at 16 to be like, I'm not eating meat. Yeah. I saw a documentary where a cow was being hurt and I'm not eating like, yes. you know, and then like cross your arms at the dinner table. That's so normal. Yes. And that was the, basically what was happening.
2: On top of that, Jesse was expected to wash the dishes at this dinner that the family was having and they didn't want to. They didn't want to touch the meaty plates. They didn't eat any of the meat. They didn't want to wash the dishes. Yeah. Also, bullshit. I mean, sure. I'm not even mad, mad at them for that. But yeah. I would want to wash those dishes. Fuck you. Is it maybe could be could that be perceived as bratty? Sure. It's a very teenaged thing to do, but it is pretty standard for a sixteen year old. You know, um, maybe in general, in a healthy home, they may have gotten grounded or had a privilege briefly taken away or something. I don't know what you do with teenagers. Uh,
3: you. Uh, You say, no, TikTok. Yeah, I don't know. Teenagers are a whole different thing. No TikTok for three hours. No TikTok for three hours. I don't
2: know. That's a punishment, Natalie. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a little hellcat at that age. No one knew what to do with me. So it seems as though, and I was much, much worse than
3: this. Oh, my God. They would have screamed and cried and thrown up if they'd have seen you with a shaved (laughs) head. Yeah. It's like combat boots, Uh, tell them to fuck off.
2: Yeah, they would have thrown me into the river, I'm sure.
0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
3: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore.
2: In their minds, I, I assume the parents think that this is just like not acceptable. They cannot handle this child not wanting to do the dishes, and so they don't know what to do. They're all upset during this dinner. Jesse storms off into the, to the basement of the house uh, where they were having this party and locks the door. I think it's Jody's house. It's either Jody's house or the grandparents' house, and just the I mean, very standard teenage. I don't – I'm going downstairs. I don't care what you guys do and then closes the door. Yeah. And calls their man friend um, on the phone and talks with the man friend in this room in the basement and eventually falls asleep there. As far as Jesse knew at the time, they had basically just gotten into a fight with their mom and was – had no reason to think other anything other than they were gonna wake up and go home to California with the family sure. and figure it out that maybe get a punishment or something.
3: One long, quiet, long ride. Right. And
2: that's it. That's not what happened. No. Late into that night, they were awoken by knocks at that door of the room that, that they were sleeping in and the knocks didn't were not coming from her parents, but from Jody, Hildebrand and Jesse's grandparents. Jesse doesn't know what occurred while they had been locked up in that room stewing, but we can assume there was some kind of discussion in which Jesse's mom was upset and Jody approached her and told her and Jesse's dad to leave Jesse there in Utah with her and Jesse's grandparents. Wow. That since Jody was a mental health professional and a trusted and faithful LDS member, that Jody would help to quote fix
3: Jesse. I would never trust my parents again. No. Like all my trust is gone for you. Ugh. You think you saw a brat then? <laughs> what do you fucking see? I mean, dude, just listen, this is
2: it gets so bad. So Jesse's grandparents also agree to this arrangement. When they woke Jesse up, they were informed that their parents had left, that they had left for California without them, and that jesse's life was going to drastically change from that moment on they had no idea that this was going to happen and in fact jesse asserts that this was never intended to happen this wasn't like a planned ambush it was that because the family witnessed jesse acting out as a teen does and that jody saw an opportunity to do what she does and stepped in to quote save the family
3: fuck off
2: it probably goes without saying, but this would certainly be insanely traumatic to a 16-year-old. You hear about this process and experience with trouble, the troubled teen industry. For example, Paris Hilton describes being ripped out of her bed by strangers while her parents watched. This isn't really any different. Can you imagine you just go to another entire state and then your parents just leave?
3: And this isn't like, oh, I'd run away. They drop you off in the middle of nowhere.
2: Yeah. Sometimes in the middle of winter, like you're trapped. Yeah. No, Jesse had no way to leave. There was... This wasn't even, like, maybe they had a, I doubt they had a smartphone at that point. There's no. no social media, really. It's in
3: Utah, right? Yeah. So there's, like, nothing.
2: Yeah, they are out in the wilderness, basically. So how this is even legal is crazy to me. I don't know. They, they were left with whatever clothing they had with them on that trip, and presumably... There was a bunch of scrambling around behind the scenes to accommodate this. Just imagine the complications alone with moving your minor child out of state with no preparation. Jesse just doesn't describe those first few weeks a lot. And I would imagine that there was a lot of shock and dissociation there. But what they do say is that at first it was I would I hesitate to call it normalish, but was relatively normal what was happening that is to say, still deeply fucked up, but it was what you might expect from extremely conservative f- family members. So, what, L- what chores and stuff? Yeah, get up early. Yes, yeah, exactly. Doing like strict schedule, no social life, and was actually transferred to homeschooling. So, you know, again, that seems like a lot of paperwork, but I don't, I don't, I don't think know. they did the paperwork. I think it's just under the rug. I guess so. I don't know how you just start somebody in homeschool in another state with no I don't know. God, God maybe it's super easy. I
3: I've, think it I think it is. I think cuz there's so many kids, yeah, in the school system, especially then, they're just like, "Oh, I guess they left." Yeah. So, then it starts to get darker
2: pretty rapidly. First off, Jesse describes getting their hair cut off, which after everything they've been through talks about it as though that wasn't a big deal, but Cutting someone's hair off is a psychological form of torture.
3: And in this group, because your hair is your shining crown and glory, Mm -hmm. you've just taken away like my most powerful thing between me and God.
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: It's something that in general
2: takes away a person's identity. And Jesse mentioned that they had loved their long hair they had at the time. It, but especially as a conservative church member, like an LDS member or one of those similar, they encourage extreme femininity in female bodies. And this was a form of taking away the, their autonomy. So Jesse's homeschooling process lasted for a month or two in this process. But as Jesse says, Jody began to systematically take away anything from Jesse that, as Jody put it, gave them a sense of pride because that is a sin. So that's why the hair was cut. And because Jesse was a good student who did well in school, eventually Jody took that away too, Ugh. which is illegal on top of everything else. Um, when this was taking place, Jody was already an extremely rich and su- successful therapist, mostly thanks to the church supplying her with clients that she gouged with bloated fees. People already took Jody's word as gospel, who openly said that she said to people like full chested that God spoke to her and told her what to do with her clients. Totally cool and normal stuff. I should add here also that Jesse asserts that this was really all done to try to force the perfect LDS family image, something that is beaten into church members. So while this is Jody's um, sadistic action, it was also a justified thing to do in the eyes of many people in their community because Jesse wasn't living up to their expectations yeah. as a person in a female body.
3: It's also a big punishment culture. They love punishment. They love it. Yes. Are you punished enough? You have to suffer. Life is suffering. Yes. I don't think life is suffering. And I don't either. And also that what
2: the image out the outer image is more important than literally anything else. Yeah.
3: So You could just be like a hollow shell mm-hmm. of just of wind yes on the inside but on the outside you look like a barbie doll that's right perfect yeah so
2: and that's what was happening because jesse did not do drugs they did not have sex they didn't get a tattoo or rock and roll all night they simply were not living up to lds visual standards but with jody there is no middle ground there is good and there is evil as jesse says most things in the world are evil And Jody relayed to Jesse that they themselves were filled with Satan, and Jody was trying to get it out.
3: She wants to suck the cum out of my pussy hole. Um, Filled with Satan. (laughs) I
2: mean, yours maybe. Yeah, Amber. Um, Jody was giving them the so in in this mentality. Jody was saying they were giving Jesse so much time and energy because. Jody was trying to heal them, as though Jesse should have been thankful for all that Jody was doing. Over the weeks and months, Jody began to escalate what she was doing to Jesse. Jesse was completely cut off from her parents and siblings. Initially, Jesse was spending time between Jody's house and their grandparents because, again, they lived very close to one another.
3: This is what happens to like prisoners of war. Mm-hmm. This is like they like the flag that they all shine. This is what happened to them. Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, Very, you know. So initially in this time, people were I mean, people were seeing Jesse through a lot of this. But at first they were only spending part time at Jody's house. But a lot of the people in the same LDS ward with them saw Jesse because, of course, Jody being a good Mormon woman had them going to church all the time. By the way, I know they don't call themselves Mormons. I'm being petty. <laughs> um, as the treatment got worse, Jody described to Jesse that she needed to give them spiritual surgery, which oh, is no. as scary as it sounds. I mean, can you like spiritual surgery? Are you kidding me? It's, it's like a horror movie, really, like, truly. Jesse begins losing food privileges. This is something that we watched Ruby Frankie proudly promote on her YouTube family channel. That describing meals as a privilege for children and doing things like proudly saying they weren't going to let their six-year-old eat because they forgot their lunch and it's their responsibility to make it and bring it. six years old kid, yeah. kid order. Then Jesse begins losing comfort privileges during this period, which is a few months into their imprisonment, I don't know what else to call it, they are noticeably growing frail and withdrawn. They look sick, and there are even a few people who ask if they're okay in the ward that they went to but Jody already had people so convinced of her expertise and knows how to manipulate so well that she convinced Jesse that if they ever reached out for help or told people that there was something wrong that it was a sign that Jesse was being emotionally manipulative and wasn't getting better. And so the treatment was going to get worse.
3: Oh, no. They just manipulate. She mm-hmm. manipulated them.
2: It was it was a mon- mental prison.
3: Oh, my God. Which are the strongest sometimes because now they can't be like, no, fuck her. Yeah. Also, she was the
2: guardian of Jesse, and Jesse was a minor. So very limited in what they
3: can do. And people love Jody so much that one of her little prisoners mm-hmm. enough to see them. They must have been emaciated. Not only that, oh man, I'll tell
2: you what else. So Jody began demanding to know every sin that Jesse had committed up to this point. Jesse tried to think of every single thing they could have done and told it all to Jody, but Jody wasn't satisfied. See, even though Jesse was not sexually active, Jody became convinced that they were a sex addict who couldn't stop masturbating. What? A non sexually active person who had also had multiple abortions. We are going to see this pattern again and again and again with Jody. Every person who they who she sees who is not an adult woman is a sex addict, a pervert. Jesse explains in their interview that they didn't even know a person with female anatomy could masturbate and Jody was insisting repeatedly that they were addicted to it. They didn't even know how to masturbate. But Jody, no, she knew better. So Jesse's lying. Jody, quote, knew that Jesse was such a masturbation addict that she forbid Jesse from using tampons because she just knew that Jesse would masturbate with them.
3: So she just like did they You know, just a dry boor? a
2: dry piece of cotton. You know how people love to masturbate with tampons.
3: I did have a cousin that asked who's like, so when you put this inside yourself, do you get like a thrill? Ugh. Ew. Yeah. Okay. First
2: off, yuck. Secondly, Jody Hildebrandt. Knows what a tampon's used for. I, I I guess okay. I don't know. We we can speculate all day what Jody actually believes and what Jody does to be sadistic. It's hard to say completely, but yeah. So
3: it sounds like humiliation, and I bet she didn't yeah. give them pads either. I mean, I imagine that it was a lot of humiliation. It's for just sure. so you could like bleed all over themselves. So.
2: Which, again, plays right into the sinner.
3: Like, you're yes. a sin. You're bad. See? Like,
2: you Dirty. took away my tampons. Right. What, again, whether Jody actually believes these things or is just living out some sick fantasy is unclear. But what is clear is that Jody took unhealthy mental health practices directly from the church itself's doctrine. Because, as we've mentioned, both on the show proper and on our stream discussions, in the LDS faith, any amount of masturbation or looking lustfully at one boob is sex addiction. Sex addiction is not technically recognized by the mental health field. It would be considered some form of compulsive disorder if someone was jerking off or needing sex 20 times a day. But Jodi and the church use the term sex addiction,
3: and they use it for anything. I bet Jodi has a sex addiction. I know it's not recognized, but she probably thinks about sex all the time. Well, Jesse did make a mention of once... That they witnessed
2: Jodi saying that homosexuality is wrong. But if she wanted to have sex with one of her friends, her girlfriends, it was different because there was a deep emotional connection.
3: Oh, I love it. Rules for thee, not for me. But also it's like, that's what a lesbian is. Yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about? It's called a lesbian, honey. Yeah. Um, So,
2: you know, of course, rules for thee, not for me, 100%. Jody and the church are complicit in perpetuating this idea that lustful thoughts are of Satan and need fixed. And even then, Jesse wasn't having lustful thoughts. They were not
3: doing anything. They're probably just thinking, oh, my God, get me out. I'm so hungry. Yes. Please help. And no matter whether or not you're having lustful thoughts,
2: guess what telling people they can't do does to people's minds All they do is think about it and all they do is obsess over it. And then a lot of times that ends up developing a very deeply unhealthy sexual um, behavior. Yeah. Because thoughts are the same as doing. And if you're going to do, you
3: might as well do the stuff. Just use your rage. I knew someone that thought about something like that. And she'd be like, well, I can't I can't think about sex. I can't masturbate because it's the same as like you know, it's like, actually fucking. And I was like, I don't want to say her name, but I said, I think it's okay to masturbate and, like, let that go and then go to parties and, like, not actually fuck guys. And she was like, no, I'm just going to do it. Was it Jackie Zebrowski? What It was Jackie. That's oh, it. wow. I knew it. I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> but then, even though the church
2: already does this, Jody takes it even further than the church. And we, again, don't know whether she thought this was helping or not, or if she just enjoyed hurting. So Jesse says that there's some... They're somewhat confident that Jody has been diagnosed with psychopathy, but can't a hundred percent confirm. I say that because Jesse, again is a family member, so they have some information and input. They can say that they do know that she has been diagnosed with multiple things, mm-hmm. mental illness things, and definitely is not treating them. And that again, is only going to go off speculation. Oh, and then God told her she doesn't need to treat him. Right, exactly, and again, only going off of speculation, but there's some circ- circumstantial evidence, like what I just mentioned, that Jody is potentially a queer person. So, whatever Jody's methods, the members of their ward and the elders of the church witnessed Jody's torturing and decline of Jesse, because Jody described Jesse as manipulating the people around them. She began to put duct tape over their mouth including while at church. Ugh. There was a child with duct tape covering their
3: mouth in the church and nobody stopped it. Just a whole congregation. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody stepped in? They no. don't want to make waves, Natalie. There were a
2: handful of people who did approach the, uh what was it called, bishop uh, with concerns. And what the bishop did, according to Jesse, is the bishop brought the names to Jody Hildebrandt.
3: They were talking shit about you. Yes. So this is just such a petty, like bullshit. Petty but also evil. It's, it's as evil. Fuck. petty how they handled it. Sure. It's like she said this about you. But like you just duct tape a child's mouth. Yeah. So
2: in fact, not only were they just ignoring it, Jesse tells us that they were forced into meetings with the bishop alongside Jody, and he encouraged the behavior. Describing Jesse as a horse that needed broken. Fuck you, man. Here's a picture of the bishop if you scroll down. I just wanted to show you his stupid face.
3: He looks like honestly kind of attractive. Ew, Amber. I mean, I might fuck him. Amber, I think you need to go to therapy. I might. What if I suck his dick? Do you think he'd stop being such an evil man? No,
2: he's, you should cut it off. I don't think you should ever suck anybody's dick. That's that's that shit. Chop it right off. Um, yeah, so I'm thankful that Jesse called him out by name because he deserves it. And don't worry, Elder Banger Bangerter is currently serving as president in the Philippines area presidency.
3: What? I'm Hell. sure he's doing
2: nothing bad there. Um. God, fuck this guy so hard. Oh, I hate him. I hate his stupid face. On top of them being aware, they were also sending... Th- this guy and the people around in their church community were sending their members directly... Like the members of the church directly to Jody, and Jody was billing the church for hours. So as in the church was paying for some of these people's treatments, which is extremely unethical to do, to say you must go to this person and we'll pay for it um, and offering at least partial payment for it. Speaking of unethical, therapizing your niece while housing them would also fall into that category.
3: Yeah, because churches, they're an untaxed organization. They should not be doing
2: this. And also, again, we mentioned this before. um, There is some weird loophole where they seem to be able to legally get away with having the therapist then report things to back to the church that are told in confidence and therapy and we're going to get a lot more into that next episode with adam steed's adam paul steed's story which
3: there's such guys little
2: bitches it's just his story is almost un unlistenable because of how how truly terrible it is but we're not done with with poor jesse here
0: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash impact. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me.
2: Any sort of acting out is a manifestation of shame, and shame is sin. Anything Jesse did was a sin. Jesse described that they would be fidgety because of many reasons. Um, I'm a fidgety person. Nerves. Scared, teenager, also just naturally fidgety, right? Well, when Jody noticed these things, she would demand to know what sins Jesse was holding inside, causing them to fidget. Since everything was a sin and nothing was working, can you imagine every movement that you make monitored on that level and being told like you're you're keeping something because you were tapping?
3: Tell me what it is, and you're just being broken down. Yeah. So you could say like, "Fuck off," I'm not. But at this point, you're just so. And not only that, it's it becomes to get extremely physical. So you not
2: only have the psychological abuse, but then the physical comes in, and too. you can't
3: fight back because you're so hungry.
2: So yeah, and they this person has um, guardianship over the Jesse, so it's like they don't have any real way to get out. Yeah, what are they gonna do? Um, so since everything that any move that Jesse was making was a sin, and nothing was working to eradicate Jesse's sin, J- Jody's methods got. More extreme still, she started explaining that in order to get the sin out, she would need to make Jesse uncomfortable. This resulted in first Jesse having to sleep on a love seat, then that was taken away, and then they had to sleep on the floor. Then that wasn't enough, and Jody began making Jesse sleep outside on a balcony in a thin sleeping bag in the middle of the Utah winter. They
3: could die.
2: Yeah. During all of this, because Jesse was a child, and Jody is extremely manipulative jesse believed everything that jody was telling them believed that they were evil and manipulative and selfish and hurting their family and just evil just like of satan because they were a kid they didn't they just believed what jody said they they thought jody was speaking for god because if you'll recall again jesse was a full devout believer at this point so they just believed their aunt was really a god's messenger
3: so, I mean, what would make Jody happy if Jesse just died? Is I mean, that, that what she it wants? It seems
2: as though, based on what we've seen so far from the stories we've heard, it seems like... That would make Jody happy, just it to would fucking be,
3: die. Yeah. Slowly.
2: Yeah. So, even still, even though they believed it, their physical health was declining so much that they started to make attempts at running away. Jesse fantasized about trying to break their own leg to get to go to the hospital
3: oh god i bet jody wouldn't be like would keep her there
2: well god I, I don't want to talk too much about the kids but when they the ones who were just found they were they did have injuries that they had tried to do home ride menus on fuck yeah so i'm glad that jesse didn't try because god knows if she they would have gone to the hospital they at one point tried to convince the police to arrest them because they would prefer to go to jail like than have to stay at Jody's house once they ran to a neighbor's house begging for help but the neighbor said that they couldn't do anything because Jody had power of attorney over the dressing. fuck you yeah and when i say they ran away i mean they physically would run away without proper winter clothes and it seems to be that sometimes Jody didn't know, but sometimes Jody did catch Jesse and Jesse's coat was eventually taken away so that they couldn't run. When times happened where she did catch Jesse, Jesse would be made to run sprints for hours a night with no food or sleep. One time that Jesse said no and refused to do it and turned around, Jody punched them full force in the back so hard they were knocked to the ground. Another time, Jody bound Jesse's arms and legs, blind- blindfolded them, and drove them deep into the mountains. Jesse found out later that their parents were also present at the foot of this mountain for this. What? So their parents knew to an extent what was happening.
3: Everybody's got to go to jail. And this, look, Jesse can stay, and Jesse gets like food forever. Mm. Jody and even the parents that are complicit, they go to jail. Yeah. And what's really, really heartbreaking
2: and frustrating is that Jesse is a 30-year-old person. His parents still refuse to acknowledge anything happened. That's their coping mechanism. What do you... Oh, what do you... You're just... Why don't you live... Why are you living in the past?
3: Oh, oh, I don't want to say fuck them because maybe Jesse's trying to figure out a relationship.
2: I I don't know if they are. I mean, I don't know Jesse personally, but... Um, I I think that they've come to a peace with they're going to live their life and just have to accept. But even after Jody was arrested, Jesse says most of their family didn't reach out
3: to like say anything. Fuck! Is this like the parents that are like, "My kids don't visit me, and I don't know why." Yeah, and you t- like talk to them five sentences in, they're like, "Oh, because you're crazy."
2: Oh, you left them with a crazy woman for a year who yeah.
3: tortured them. They're not. They don't owe you shit. No. So. Um, Oh, she was forced to run up and down a mountain? Yeah,
2: after Jesse was taken for hours, blindfolded in a car, they were forced to run up and down a mountain for six hours. During all this, Jody was psychologically torturing Jesse, making them believe that no one loved them. Do you want to watch this real quick? Yeah. It's
0: just such a
2: psychological
0: fuckery.
3: I was scared of myself. People were scared of me every day every day i was your masterful manipulator
2: everything you say is a lie satan is working through you god hates you god loves me god god speaks to me you're a liar everything you say is a lie um you ruined you're ruining your parents marriage you ruined your dad's reputation you ruin everyone's life Constantly, every day, these things were told to me. The only reason why anyone likes you is because you manipulate them. The only reason why anyone feels sorry for you is that, that you manipulate them. No one cares about you. You just manipulate them into caring.
3: I feel so bad.
2: Yeah. So you, you can understand what that would do to a, a teenager. Just 16, 16. You would just, just believe it after a while.
3: You just start to go, I guess so. And also, like, you're fed, not fed. Mm-hmm. That's what cults try to do. Mm-hmm. Right in the beginning, they they manipulate your food. So after a while, you're just kind of like, okay. And also, I noticed the, the long speeches and just to confuse you. That's another thing manipulators do. Mm-hmm. They keep going and going and you're just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so all of this
2: was happening. And even though Jesse believed it, they... Got to a point where they were pretty convinced they were going to die. They were getting like blood in their stool and stuff. Like they were, their body was shutting down. Yeah. So they finally decided to make an escape. They got a hold of a jacket that was left nearby and they saw this moment and they said, Well, I'm running. And they, it was late and they got out of the house and they ran and ran and ran, like through fields, golf. They talk about a golf course, like. Forever they just keep going and going, just convinced that Jody's like behind them
3: alone, right, oh, yeah, and just like I imagine how scary that is. It's at night, yeah, in Utah, are there coyotes? oh, no idea, like I mean, animals you hear and you're running alone
2: yeah and and uh, and but it almost makes me wonder if they were almost that almost was better, you know, than being in the house, yeah, um, so that night they found a church and they slept there that first night um they happened to be really lucky the next day because they um just started walking again they didn't really have a plan because they just needed to get away and they were picked up by by a very safe couple a nice couple um
3: oh thank god
2: i know can you imagine
3: gone so many other ways yeah
2: so they were lucky in that but jesse was using a fake name and kind of giving them a fake story but they could tell that Jesse was a kid and wasn't really being honest. And so they said, like, you either have to kind of tell us what's really happening or we can take you to a shelter because we can't harbor a minor. It's illegal for us to do that. And so Jesse decided they would rather live on the streets than go back. And so they said, "Okay, take me to the shelter. And so this couple dropped Jesse off after giving them like sweatpants and some things. And Jesse says they lived in that shelter for months afterwards was essentially a missing person and though they didn't really want to speak on what happened there they say very bad things happened to them in the shelter as well in a utah shelter yes so that that was not really better but also wasn't imprisoned you know what i mean so it was like this like it's still better than prison and jody's house Probably, although I don't think that what they went through there was good. Was it assault? Um, They didn't really they didn't really expect. I don't think they want to talk about it. Um, But eventually, after months of living in that shelter, Jesse, who was now 17, was discovered by detectives, whether it was their parents or grandparents or Jody. Somebody had made a police report and was they were considered a a missing child. And so detectives did end up finding them after months. Gotta
3: bring them back so we can torture them some more. Yeah,
2: it really sucks because I'm not sure what Jesse told the detectives, but there should have been enough information here for them to make some serious inquiries about the safety of what was going on, about like, what the fuck is this woman doing? Why was Why was she holding you for a year? Where Why are your parents in another state? Like all these things. But basically all that happened was the detectives agreed that they would just take them back to Jesse's grandparents instead of Jody's. But Jesse's grandparents live right down the road from Jody's. They're Jody. still complicit in all this. 100%. But for whatever reason, nobody made Jesse go back to live at Jody's.
3: So d- Jesse's technically considered an adult, right?
2: Um, seventeen is still minor.
3: Okay, yeah. Um, but she's being treated like an adult. Of like, you can handle your own responsibilities. You have the evil. Except that they have no legal power over their own body. Or it's so crazy how like you're considered an adult, but not. You can't do adult things. Like I'm gonna treat you like an adult. And that's like scold you and yell at you, but you can't yell back, which is what adults can do.
2: Right. And also in the, you know, always going back to American Child bride series, uh, that person could be married off to a 40 year old, but couldn't divorce that 40 year old until they became 18. Right. Which is um, like human trafficking. It's human trafficking. Yeah. It's human trafficking. Legal human trafficking. Um, so... They go back to their grandparents. They don't go back to Jody's, but there was nothing ever done or reported about Jody. Jesse doesn't really ever get resolution for any of this. Um, briefly, Jesse considers returning to 11th grade, but has become, through the year of torture they just went to, Feels so detached from other kids at this point. They yeah. describe feeling going back to high school as feeling silly, which I completely understand. Yeah, we
3: well, get like, oh, how was your summer break? Oh, yeah. I read ten books. Right. I volunteered. Uh, how was yours? I was duct taped in my aunt's van, and then I ran
2: up and down a mountain for six hours before I almost collapsed from from dying. Cool. Yeah. I went to Italy. Right. I mean, that's probably what they were thinking at the time they're like i can't just go back and be like hey guys what's what's hanging want to skateboard yeah um so they but they're really smart and they really loved education so they wanted to instead start college at that age which is actually what my best friend at the time did when we were both problem kids she got expelled and then went to like a problem child high school and then got and dropped out of there at seventeen, but she started college then. So Good. she was like, we just hated our high school area. It was really shitty and I still think it was garbage. And she but she was not an idiot. She just was like, I'm gonna take care of my own. I wanna do what I wanna do and started college at seventeen. This is what Jesse wanted to do. Yeah. And their parents refused to give permission because at seventeen you still need, unless you're emancipated, need parents God, her parents Permission. suck so much. So instead, Jesse turns 18 and then sort of decides to just like go out and start their young adult life. Um, because I think partly one of the reasons that they didn't want them to go to college early was because people would ask questions. Um, it seems as though the way Jesse's parents handled all of this was pretending nothing was wrong. Nothing was happening their kid wasn't being tortured in another state. In fact, something that stood out to me in Jesse's story that really made me sad was that after not seeing their mom for almost a year, Jesse's mom shows up at Jody's to get Jesse's school picture so that the mom could put it up on the wall at their house so that it would look like just another year for people who came over. So after abandoning, her child for a year um, while Jesse was being tortured. Her mom made the first appearance to get a picture to make it look like it was Jesse's school photo.
3: Just to take your own child and have them treated like this mm-hmm. and pretend like nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like brain rot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There are so many horrific things happen, but
2: that. To me, that just felt so disturbing. And it's just purely for other people.
3: Yeah. So if other people can ask, where was your child? Oh, well, they were... Off at school. Off at school. Just uh, lies. There, There's obviously the perpetrator here is the
2: worst, but also that your mom wants to, you to pretend it's not happening for her own sake. Because Jesse's mother, she wouldn't ever acknowledge... And
3: it was the very much just like, da-la-la-la-la, la, la, everything's okay. I don't want to... Why are you upsetting me? Probably deep down the mother knows that, like, if I start questioning this, then that's going to happen to me. I mean, probably, so but, like... I'll I sell my own kid under yeah, the river. Yeah, I don't
2: really care if you're if you're not... If you're willing to do that to your kid, I don't really have a lot of pity for no. you. No. Um, this
3: is, like, the most... I don't know. I, I know I keep saying 1984, but the fact that, like, parents keep selling out their children yeah. and just, like... Unless you obey, just this immense torture. Yeah, um, which is a
2: really—it's sort of a, crosses again in high control religion and parasocial exploitation on, on online. They—they it, it, they are similar in a lot of ways, and which is to say that children are property of their parents. So, what it for what it's worth, Jesse fully believes that Jody believes what she's saying, and. That Jody believes that Christ is working through her and she's going to help usher in the end times, which is also what convicted child killer LDS member Lori Vallow believed. LDS supports in general, not, I'm sure, all sex, but a lot of them, the really hardcore ones, support dreams and visions being real. So if you get a vision or a dream from God, just do it.
3: You know, just do it. OK. Um. And it's always stuff that sucks. I don't know. I had a dream the other night that a bunch of kittens came and like snuggled with me. That was Satan. That was Satan. Yeah, it was the devil. Okay. Um,
2: Jesse spent, like I said, the adult, young adult years of their life trying to find healing and finding their place in the world. And they eventually described, they eventually um, found a love of art again. And started doing a tattoo apprenticeship and now they are full-time tattoo artists. So not sports or politics or or politics or religion. No. Um, They also, you should look them up. Uh, They tattoo in both Seattle and I think they still in LA too, maybe. Um, So if you're looking for a tattoo, you know, go, go find them. Um,
3: You can just Google Jesse Hildebrandt. Um, Somebody wrote a, an article or they were asking somewhere, like, how come there's no conservative artists, no religious conservative artists? And, um, and their whole premise was that, you know, these religious conservative artists are being repressed, mm-hmm. that the big media doesn't want to put them out there. Sure, sure, sure. My whole thought is the whole point of art is questioning everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. And with this kind of religion, there's a hierarchy and you don't question it. And in fact, the more you question, the more you're like put in these stilts. Not stilts, but just these like chains Mm -hmm. and held back. There's no room for artistic expression is the antithesis of this. And that's why you just don't have these creative, religious, conservative artists. I think you're very correct there.
2: Um, Yes. Art is about questioning things. You're totally right. Um, So Jesse has now found this place and is, you know, saying they're still working through a couple things. But they're doing a lot better. That they found some community and found some healing. And also, I really appreciated them saying during her interview that it doesn't um, moving forward and healing doesn't mean forgiving somebody who no. did something like that because that's also pushed a lot in that in that world of well, you need to forgive them and move on because
3: then they get to go and do more bullshit. I mean, Jesse's better than me. I would go burn Jody's house down. I would burn her alive in that house. Well, you'll never get to her now because the jail's Cause there. Because she's in fucking jail. That's right, you stupid bitch. Die in there.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's a solid chance that she will. Um, Good. And hopefully some of these people's testimonies are going to be able to be used in court. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, because they're facing charges for these specific kids. But you there, it seems like if the charges are intense enough, they'll be able to have, like, witness his testimony or whatever they call it, where um, people can say like this is a pattern because this happened. Um, so, year a few years pass by in in Jesse's young adult life, and then they find out they see in the Salt Lake Tribune that there was a big story about Jody in twenty twelve that she was getting her therapist license suspended, and it was because of a man named Adam Paul Steed. We will get through next week. Adam's story is very different from Jesse's, as Jesse's is much more related and hauntingly similar to what Ruby Frankie's kids just endured. Adam's story, though, unfortunately, is not that dissimilar from a number of men who've been sent to therapy with Jody. As we've said before, and what Jesse has said, is that Jody hates men. She hates hates them and thinks that most of them are evil.
3: Whoa. I and mean, also, I can joke about that sometimes. I don't really believe it. No, of course not. But she's just like actively gets these men to divorce their wives and says you're sex. you're a sex person. That's the, the crux, the bottom of
2: it. But it gets much worse than that. And so you see this sort of um, hatred towards adult men, but also she has an extreme hatred for children of any sex. So... It's really just adult women um, who she seems to try to to manipulate in a different way than like a loving manipulation or whatever you want to call it. So Adam Steed gained notoriety for taking Jody on in this this um, situation in 2012 and getting her license temporarily suspended. but he's also known for extremely bravely being one of the main whistleblowers who exposed the Boy Scouts for prolific sex abuse. So there's a big Netflix documentary that just came out a couple weeks ago that is about it. And he's a big part of how that got blown up. God, this poor
3: Boy Scouts. Wasn't there also a serial killer back in the 70s in the Boy Scouts? They, like, filmed it and stuff. It has I, nothing I, to do with the show. No, no I, it's, pro- it's quite, I'm sure. Uh, yes? Yeah, but these little <laughs> um, boys are getting attacked. Don't like, attack them. So not only that, but Boy Scouts
2: is very tightly connected to the LDS church. It's inundated with LDS men. And many of the men who have been convicted or accused of abusing Boy Scouts are a part of the LDS church. Damn. Adam Steed was both a Boy Scout and his family was members of the LDS church when he was growing up. And after the horrors he experienced of his childhood, he would grow up to face unspeakable torture from Jody Hildebrandt. So we will return next week with Adam's story. Which again, if you prefer to listen to his, I say go for it. It is almost five hours long, just so you know. It's been compelling, even if you want to break it up. But if you want to wait for us to do like a more succinct one, that's you know cool too. We're here. Um, I, uh, and then after we get through a lot of this LDS social exploitation, we'll, we'll move into some other parasocial exploitation stuff. After that, but and I usually save the um, organizations that we shout out to the end of the series. But I'm going to do a middle one too here because I want everybody if they want to give just buy a coffee for Jesse. Their Venmo is Jesse Tattooer J E S S I T A T T O O E R. That's their Venmo account, and they have very little family support, and they were not asking for money. That was something that Mormon stories just decided to do so if you have that ability even just to send them a dollar and, and like just an affirmation of like we love and support you I think yeah. that would be really cool
3: Jesse deserved none of this no one deserves this no Jesse sounds like a cool person which is very smart and artistic mm. they probably knew that this person was artistic right from the get-go you can tell with kids yeah and that's why Jesse was punished so much
2: yeah I mean there's nothing and that's another really poignant thing that Jesse says. That when you go through something that heinous, you want to believe that there's a bigger purpose for it. Like, you know, when they were still kind of religious, they were like, there has to be like this higher being like s- giving me this reason to do this. But they've kind of come to the place of acceptance that it was not because I was special or evil. It was just because a person decided that they wanted to torture me. And that's just how it is. And it's Fuck. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but I think that probably it's, you know, I would imagine that it's a little bit relieving that their torturer is off the streets and s- not going to hurt anybody again. That so, is good. Yeah. Um, let's let's end there because we'll get into Adam's story. Uh, fascinating
3: and just... Unbelievably terrible. We should learn one Boy Scout trick to tell the audience by next time. Okay, like how to light a match or something. <laughs> Do or we like, ha- to- <laughs> like how to light a fire. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, because
2: I can show you right now how to light a match. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a brownie. That's probably how I knew. Really,
3: I wanted to be in the Girl Scouts so bad. I uh, yeah, it was fine. We like made some stuff. It was fine. Okay. Copies. Yeah, we'll learn one we'll think of one um, trick, Boy Scout's trick. I'll do some rope stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll so we'll remain saucy pert and greasy through
2: this week and we will come back. I'm Natalie Jeannie, follow me at the Natty Jean. Amber Smelson. And we'll catch you soon. Hey,
1: This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person.